Yes, we are live. Hello and welcome to the Chingsi Sports Presents the Premier League show. We are back again. And are we still called Chingsi Sports, they ask? Well, if I'm honest with you, I was contemplating changing the name to Chingsi Media Presents, but that doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? So... I think we're just going to remain Chinksy Media as a channel. But this podcast will remain Chinksy Sports Presents the Premier League show. So um, now on Sunday, I decided to change the name to Chinksy Media uh, based on the nature of our content, as we're not so much concentrated on sports and music at this moment in time, but also gaming, current affairs and much more. So we just want to say thank you guys for helping us reach uh, yet another milestone. We've reached 12k subscribers and we get one step closer to the overall target for the year. Alright, enough of that. Without any further ado, the first game of last weekend, which was only a couple days ago, was at um Brentford Stadium, the GTEC Stadium in the game between Brentford and Liverpool ended 4-1 to the Reds. The nature of Brentford's defending for Liverpool's first goal will I'm sure be a cause co- a cause for concern for Thomas Frank. After a Brentford corner, clearance downfield found Diogo Jota and Darwin Nunes 2-1-1 with Sergio Reguilón on loan from Tottenham. Nunes subsequently lobbed Mark Flecken to put the Reds one up going into the break. Liverpool marksman Mohamed Salah, a 44th minute substitute for the injured Jota, got himself an assist for Alexis McAllister before scoring his first goal for Liverpool since returning from injury and international duty with Egypt to make it 3-0 and game, set and match. The forward had missed eight games in total as Jurgen Klopp's men continued their quadruple assault in his absence. Further goals from self-proclaimed Liverpool fan Ivan Toni and Cody Gakpo ensured the result ended in a comprehensive 4-1 win away from home to Liverpool. Whilst the result and the overall manner of the performance was an overall net positive, Klopp will be sweating over the availability of some of his key squad members for the coming matches, like the one today against Luton in a couple hours which Vice-Captain Trent Alexander-Arnold already ruled out of Sunday's Carabao Cup clash with Chelsea, will miss. Okay, so Liverpool rumped to a 4-1 win against Brentford and obviously maintained their position at the top of the Premier League. So that meant Arsenal went into the game against Burnley, a whopping five points behind Liverpool. However... They won 5-0 at Turf Moor. Mikel Arteta's dynamic and explosive Arsenal side spearheaded by Bukayo Saka romped to their fifth successive league victory in a row. Once Martin Odegaard's trademark dive, or drive should I say, into the bottom corner put Arsenal one up after just four minutes, there was no doubt whatsoever as to who would be taking the spoils. A brace from Bukayo Saka included a penalty and a strike on his supposed weaker right foot, completely discombobulated the Clarets as Arsenal ran riot and raced into a free goal lead 
with over 45 minutes of the game remaining. Scary stuff. Further goals from Leandro Trossard and Kai Havertz added gloss to a galvanised Gunners side who moved into second position with the win. That win was also the first time Arsenal have won their opening five league games in a calendar year. Or should I say at the start of a calendar year. Arteta's side are now finding the perfect hybrid in terms of their style from last season where they blew teams away in 20-30 minutes of football with their fast-paced attacking style and this season's more controlled and measured style where they have dominated matches almost completely and almost completely suffocated the opposition. So it looks like Arsenal, after their Dubai break, have now come into their own and have hit a sweet spot in terms of form with five wins from five. So at that stage, they were second before Man City's game, which we'll come up to. Okay, another three o'clock kickoff was between Tottenham and Wolverhampton Wanderers. That ended 2-1 to Wolves. A Dejan Kulusevski equaliser straight after the break was not in enough to cancel out a Jao Gomez brace after the Portuguese midfielder bagged the goal either side of half-time. In this game, Gary O'Neill's Wolfside exploited Spurs' two main weaknesses. His first goal was an unmarked header from a corner and his second came from a counter-attack when the mercurial Pedro Neto used his pace to outrun Spurs fullback Emerson Royale before, before cutting back for Gomez to score the winner and secure the three points for Wolfside who have now won three from three against Tottenham um, and four out of their last five matches against Postacoglu's outfit although Postacoglu's only been present for two of those Spurs are now a mere three points ahead of sixth placed Manchester United but still only two points behind Aston Villa who currently occupy fourth as the race for Champions League football hots up Right, another game at 3 o'clock was the game between Nottingham Forest and West Ham United. West Ham United is on loan England and Manchester City midfielder Calvin Phillips compounded West Ham's woes after his red card for two bookable offences continued the theme of his disastrous loan spell. He has clearly been bereft of match fitness and as a consequence he has been giving away goals looked out of shape and severely lacking confidence. Nottingham Forest, who before this game hadn't won in their previous four league games dating back to last year, took advantage of an even worse 10-man West Ham side who were clearly still feeling sorry for themselves after the previous week's home drubbing to second-placed Arsenal. Forest drew a number of fantastic saves from France stopper Alphonse Ariola, but... There was no stopping Tywo Awoni's awesome touch come turn and finish in first half added time. Similarly, in second half added time, in the 94th minute, a strike from Callan hodgson Odoi, who notched his third goal in his last three games, capped off a great evening for Forest as they moved further away from the drop zone. So a vital win for Nottingham Forest, who needed that to give themselves a little bit of buffer over the likes of Burnley, Sheffield United, 
Luton and Everton at the bottom of the table. Okay, another three o'clock kickoff. We had quite a few on Saturday. Was at the cottage between Fulham and Aston Villa and it ended 2-1 to the Villains. Aston Villa returned to winning ways after a recent poor run of form saw them turn from title dark horses to top five or six contenders in the space of a few weeks. Ollie Watkins, who will almost certainly be in England's Euro 2024 squad, scored a brace to put him on 13 goals and 10 assists in the Premier League this season, which is a remarkable feat for the former Exeter City and Brentford man, who used to be a left winger. I remember that as well. A late Rodrigo Muniz consolation wasn't enough to salvage anything from the game for Fulham, as the Brazilian notched his fourth goal in three Premier League matches. I seem to talk about him every week, but in truth, he has been a revelation in Raul Jimenez's absence. And to be fair, at this moment in time, even if, even if Jimenez was fit, I doubt he'll be getting in that team over Munoz or Muniz. Um, okay, Newcastle v Bournemouth was yet another three o'clock kickoff. In the game's opening embers, so yeah, um, Aston Villa won that game 2-1. This game was a draw, a Desmond tool between Newcastle and Bournemouth. Um, Golden Boot contender Dominic Solanke and Martin Dubravka faced off a number of times as the Slovak kept the Bournemouth striker at bay on numerous occasions. Well, that was until he slipped after receiving the pass from Sven Botman to gift Solanke what probably has been the easiest of all his 14 Premier League goals this season. In last week's podcast, my prediction was all, all of Dom Solanke, Anthony Gordon and Callum Wilson would score. And the second of the three did so with a well-struck penalty to equalise for Newcastle just before the hour mark. Callum Wilson didn't feature in this game as he was out with a chest injury, but the two I predicted scored managed to do so. Um, Antoine Semenyo, who I like, reminds me of Charles and Zogbia, former Newcastle left-footed right winger, scored a tremendous arrowed strike with his weaker right foot um, to put Bournemouth back into the lead as it looked like the Cherries were going to clinch their first win in their sixth attempt. But for a 92nd minute equaliser from former Bournemouth winger Matt Ritchie, who had just entered the fray two minutes earlier. Super sub. It'll be interesting to see if Matt Ritchie does feature for Newcastle on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday at 8 o'clock against Arsenal. Uh, these two drop points will feel like a defeat for Andoni Iraola, and it will be interesting to see how his side fare against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City on Saturday afternoon in what I feel will be an exciting and competitive matchup. More about that match later on in the podcast. Okay, finally... We're on to the 5.30 kickoff, which was the game of the weekend between Manchester City and Chelsea. That ended in a one-all stalemate. After City's second successive draw against Chelsea brought their 11-game winning streak to an abrupt halt, 
Chelsea were well worth their point against Manchester City after Raheem Sterling bagged the opener on the counter-attack. A route to goal that the Blues had exploited on a few occasions that day. Erling Haaland missed a number of gilt-edged chances, um, which on another day he would have come away with the match ball, a hat-trick. With City trailing and looking like they were running out of ideas, up! Champions League winning goal scorer Rodri with one of the trademark late runs into the box to equalise in the 83rd minute as the game ended one apiece. Chelsea are now in ninth position, just three points off of seventh placed Brighton as they prepare to face off with Liverpool, a side that beat them 4 1 just a few weeks prior. City's form against the traditional big six, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester City, Manchester United and Chelsea, has seen them pick up just a solitary win, which was away at Manchester United, I believe in September or August. I think it was September. Anyways, so we are now down to the last three games of, or should I say four games of the week stroke this week. And we're into the first of Sunday's Double header, which was at Bramall Lane between Sheffield United and Brighton Hove Albion. That ended 5-0 to Brighton. After on loan Everton centre-half, Mason Holgate was sent off after horrendous and ferociously dangerous lunge on Japanese winger Kairo Montoma, the informed Facundo Buonanotte, who I seem to talk about on this podcast every week, opened the scoring for Brighton on a 20-minute mark after diabolical marking from a corner. When Brighton, now a man up and a goal to the good, scored the first goal, I feared the worst for Sheffield United. And after veteran striker Danny Welbeck made it too, as the Seagulls went into the break, 2-0 to the good. It remained 2-0 until the last 15 minutes after a great defensive display from um, the Blades kept Brighton at bay. However, when a Jack Robinson own goal and a brace from Simon Adingra, who buoyed by his role in Ivory Coast AFCON triumph just seven days prior, completed the 5-0 route as Brighton leapfrogged both Newcastle and West Ham into seventh place in the league. With four of Brighton's five goals coming from crosses into the box, there is clearly an underlying issue for Chris Wilder's side. There's no point in sacking him now, though, as the squad is clearly bereft of any quality. This was the third successive game that his blade side have conceded five goals at home. Crazy. And on two of those occasions, Brighton were the perpetrators. Sheffield United's next home game is against an Arsenal side who have bagged 11 goals in their last two games. Uh-oh. Okay, the 4.30 kickoff at Kenilworth Road was between Luton Town and Manchester United. That ended 2-1 to United. Luton, who seemed to have reverted to type in recent weeks, um, given the way poor goals gave themselves an uphill mountain to climb, similar to last week against Sheffield United, as Manchester United raced into a two-goal lead in a space of just seven minutes through their 21-year-old Danish forward Rasmus Hoyland, who now has seven goals in his last six games 
and has scored in all six of those games consecutive. A 14th minute goal from Carlton Morris turned out to be a mere consolation as Luton huffed and puffed. Um, the Hatters now have gone three games without a win and find themselves in a the bottom three because Everton, who faced Crystal Palace on Monday, drew 1-0 with Palace. Ahead of the game, Roy Hodgson announced that he was stepping aside as Crystal Palace manager in what is likely to be his last ever managerial position. And the former Eintracht Frankfurt manager Oliver Glasner, I think he's Austrian, was announced as his successor with a contract until the end of next season. I don't think he took charge of this game though. When Crystal Palace announced their front three of Odson Edouard, Jean-Philippe Mateta and Jordan Ayew, I could only imagine the trepidation that their travelling fans must have felt as travelling to Liverpool on a Monday evening is both financially and time consuming. That being said, Palace took the lead through their Ghanaian international winger Jordan Ayew and looked like they were heading for three points until a late equaliser six minutes from time from substitute Amadou Onana after heading in from a corner meant that Everton got the pivotal point they needed to climb out of the dreaded drop zone as they swapped places with the aforementioned Luton Town. Okay, so now down to Game Week 18's game in hand, which was played yesterday evening at the Etihad Stadium between Manchester City and Brentford ended 1-0 to Manchester City. In the first half, City, who started their young prodigy winger, Oscar Bob, in place of Kevin De Bruyne, struggled as they were passive and pedestrian in possession of the ball and were susceptible to the counter-attack due to their high line, very high line. On a few occasions, Brentford's front three actually managed to breach and beat the offside trap with Frank Onyeka coming closest for the away side. The midfielder who starred in Nigeria's march to the AFCON final was clearly brimming with confidence and his effervescent runs from deep were clearly a cause for concern for Pep Guardiola, who also had Jeremy Doku on the bench. Ivan Toni, looking for his fifth goal in six games, also went close for the Bees with a free kick. I remember listening to an interview from Tony where he said that he'd set himself a goal target for the last 19 games of the season. And um, I was wondering to myself whether it was 10 or 15 goals he was thinking or targeting. Because one thing's for sure is that he'll definitely reach double figures, especially having already got four goals. And that that should really be enough to secure a spot in Gareth Southgate's England Euro 2024 squad. Okay, in the second half, the, obvi the obvious substitution was made with the Norwegian winger Oscar Bob making way for the electric and dynamic winger Jeremy Doku. As City began to up the ante in what was their game in hand and essentially a must-win game, it took a Brentford mistake to finally let City in. When Christopher Ayer slipped and allowed Erling Haaland free reign at goal, 
the outcome was inevitable. A procession. Especially after his misfiring match against Chelsea on Saturday. There was no way he was missing this one once one-on-one -on -one with Mark Flecken. And he didn't. Once City went 1-0 up, it was a procession. And they just kept possession of the ball and saw the game out to secure what was a vital win. Which takes them up to second position, leapfrogging Arsenal in the process. Just one point off of first place Liverpool who play today. So a recap of last week and stroke last stroke, well, stroke yesterday and the day before. Football matches. Um, saw me get only four correct scores. A poor week for me. Sorry, four correct results and no correct scores. A poor week for me. So let's see if I can fare better this week. Starting with Liverpool against Luton Town, kicking off in about an hour and a half or so. After Manchester City's narrow 1-0 win last night, the Reds have a wonderful opportunity to go four points clear tonight at Anfield under the lights. With the Carabao Cup final against Chelsea not until Sunday, they face a Luton side who, although took a point off of Liverpool back in November, are now currently winless in three and need a result to climb out of the drop zone. Liverpool, who currently have an injury crisis with the likes of Darwin Nunes, Mo Salah, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Dominic Sobreslay and Diogo Jota, and if I'm not wrong, Alisson as well, all likely to miss the match, should win this one, especially with the likes of Harvey Elliott, Ryan Gravenbush, Joe Gomez, Connor Bradley and Cody Gakpo, all capable of stepping in. And I believe Liverpool will win. So I've gone for a 3-0 win to Liverpool. The game between Chelsea and Tottenham Hotspur was supposed to be on Friday evening. But the match has been postponed due to Chelsea's Carabao Cup final match against Liverpool on Sunday. So we missed that one out. And go to the game at Selhurst Park between Crystal Palace and Burnley. With new manager... Oliver Glasner taking the reins for the first time. A new manager bounce should be expected, especially given the fact that in the next five or six games, they play the likes of Luton, Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth, all relegation six-pointers. Burnley, who will be equally looking at this Palace game as a must-win, have won only one in their last 12 in all competitions and none in their last eight. Not to mention the fact that they're coming off a 5-0 drubbing by Arsenal. That being said, I think Vincent Kompany's side will improve on last week's result. Wouldn't take much. And performance. But not enough to take anything out of this game. So I'm going for a plucky, scrappy 2-1 win to Crystal Palace. Another game is the Midlands derby between Aston Villa and Nottingham Forest. I've gone for, well... Aston Villa, knowing that a win will suffice, only a win will suffice, with with Manchester United hot on the hills. Their victory against Fulham was a much-needed one for confidence after a poor run of results. Similarly, Nottingham Forest arrested what was a four-match winless run before their 2-0 home win against West Ham on Sunday, on Saturday. Their front four of Callum Hodgson-Odoi, Anthony Alanga, Morgan Gibbs-White and Tywa Awoni will cause Villa all sorts of problems. But 
I expect Oli Watkins and co to have more than enough to cope with what will be a spirited Forest side and win by a narrow 2-1 scoreline. So I've gone 2-1 to Aston Villa. Following that, we have the game at Old Trafford between informed Man United and Fulham. United are on the back of five consecutive wins in all competitions and are seven games unbeaten since their defeat to Nottingham Forest on New Year's Eve Eve last year. Incidentally, they return to the city ground next Wednesday to try and exact their revenge in the FA Cup. If the Red Devils harbour any hopes of sneaking into the top four, then a win is paramount and it will see them go level on points with Spurs in fifth if they beat an inconsistent Fulham side who have won just once in their last eight in all competitions. The football hasn't been great of recent for Manchester United, but they are picking up points and results, which is their most important thing. And I'm backing them to pick up yet another three points here too. So I've gone 2-0 to Manchester United. Right, the game between Brighton, Hove Albion and Everton. Well, the fact that Brighton have not picked up consecutive wins since November and before that September and before that August. So Brighton have only won two games in a row on three occasions all year, which is very surprising to me considering that they're seventh in the league. With a league high eight draws, they come up against an Everton side winless in eight league games. But picked up a vital and morale boosting point late on at Goodison Park on Monday, a point which took them out of the drop zone on goal difference. All things encompassing, stylistically, this match should be a clash of styles with Sean Dash's rugged and compact toffee side coming up against the slow build-up play and artistry from Roberto De Zerbi's seagull side, who may have an eye on next week's FA Cup fifth round tie against Wolves at Molyneux. That should be a good game. But um, in this one, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw here. Okay, the game that I'm actually looking forward to, probably out of all of them, is the one um, the one between Bournemouth and Manchester City. 13th place Bournemouth, winless in six league games. So I was just trying to work out uh, Bournemouth stadiums, the vitality. I always forget the stadium. Yeah, the Vitality Stadium uh, take on a Manchester City side who have already beaten them comprehensively. And that was 6-1 at the Etihad back in November. Having said that, it was after that particular result that Andoni Iraola's side went on a run, which saw them pick up six wins from their next seven league games. And they've only won seven league games all season. So that, that is actually a remarkable stat. Now, time for any Bournemouth fans to close your ears. Have you closed them? Okay. Manchester City and Bournemouth have faced off on 20 occasions in history and Manchester City have emerged victorious on 18 of those occasions, drawing the other two. So Manchester City have never lost to Bournemouth in history. City are currently on a 14-game winning run against the Cherries and whilst Bournemouth are a good side, especially at home, I expect City to win this one and I think it will be 3-1. I was torn between 3-1 and 3-2, but I think with City resting up the brainer and Doku for this one, I expect them to win comfortably. Okay, 
The 8 o'clock kickoff, a rare 8 o'clock Saturday kickoff, is between Arsenal and Newcastle. No love lost between these two. You'll remember what happened in the previous game. Arsenal, with their 21 goals in their last five Premier League matches, go into this game full of confidence against a Newcastle side who have conceded 16 goals in the last five matches. That is a whopping stat. And it's not like they've lost all those games. I think they've won quite a few of those. In saying that, the Gunners have won just once in their last four games against the Magpies and have been scoreless in all three of the games that they didn't win. Clearly, the key to Newcastle's success at the Emirates is to keep a clean sheet. I don't think Eddie Howe's side have it in them to replicate this, the results of last November or even last January when it ended 0-0 and 1-0 respectively. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 win for Arsenal. Okay, the game between Wolverhampton Wanderers and Sheffield United is our penultimate game of the podcast um, and last game of the week because it's on a Sunday. Sheffield United having conceded five goals in each of the last three home games must prefer playing away from Bamwell Lane at this time, at this rate. They even won 3-1 at Luton's Kenilworth Road, which is renowned for being a difficult place to go. That being said, anything other than a Wolves win would be a coupon buster, even with the home side losing their last two home games to Manchester United and Brentford, respectively, but bouncing back on both occasions to win at Chelsea and Spurs, respectively. I'm expecting Gary O'Neill's Wolves side to return to winning ways at Molyneux, with a comfortable 3-0 win. Um, and yes, so we're now down to Monday's game between West Ham United and Brentford. Um, David Moyes' struggling West Ham side are winless and scoreless in the last three, have fallen from 6th to ninth, and could find themselves in 11th if results don't go their way this weekend. Well, in fact, they could kick off in 11th position, given... This game's this game kicks off on Monday. They look bereft of confidence and devoid of any ideas and creativity in the absence of chief creator and talisman Lucas Paqueta. Brentford, on the other hand, put up a great fight, a valiant fight against Manchester City last night, but ultimately lost. However, I've seen enough of an improvement in Thomas Frank's side since then to think that they can pick up enough points to beat the drop. And I think they will pick up all three points in this one too. So I've gone for a, well, what would probably be seen as a shock win for Brentford. I, I think West Ham will be slight favourites for this one with the bookies. But I, in my head, I think Brentford are going to nick this one 2-1. Okay. So don't forget to like, comment, share and subscribe and I will see you in 10 days time. Bow.